Welcome to The Dental Brief, the world's direct, right-to-the-point podcast produced to get you the information you need to learn and grow your practice. To learn more about our guests and find links to information discussed on our show, visit our website, dentalbrief.com. On to today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Dental Brief. We're going to call this an international episode of The Dental Brief. Um, We have a terrific guest with us today. Um, We have Julie Parker coming to us from Australia. Say hello, Julie. Hi, Julie. (laughs) (laughs) We're so, we're that, yeah, so that's an international thing. Um, We're so glad to, um, we're glad to have you here today. You know, um, I've taken a little bit of time to review your website. You have a terrific amount of content on there, free content for users to um, peruse, to use, to jump all over. And of course, you have courses too, and we can talk about that a little bit. Um, but first, what, what I want to do is start by kind of getting your background and telling us how you got into dentistry and how you got into what you're doing today. Sure thing. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me as a guest on your podcast. I enjoy it thoroughly, so I'm thrilled to be part of it this, on this episode. But the way I got into dentistry was by default a little bit. I think that happens with a lot of dental nurses back in the era that I became one. Uh, I was an early school leaver. I was booted out of school for (laughs) not being dedicated enough and had the choice of being a hairdresser or a dental nurse. So I jumped in and became a dental nurse and loved it, thrived in the industry. Years later, became the first non-dentist to buy a practice here in Australia and owned that for 10 years and successfully loved every second of it and then sold it and started Julie Parker Practice Success because, of course, by that stage I thought I knew it all and everyone should just learn from me. (laughs) Sure, yeah, and I I think um, that's an amazing background. I just want to clarify dental nurses would be a dental assistant here, correct? Yeah, correct. Correct. Okay, yeah, perfect. Um, So you own a practice, you decided to sell the practice, you decided to get into consulting, um, and then you've been learning, growing, and, and helping others learn and grow ever since, I would assume, yes? That's it. We never stop, do we? So I know a lot of the problems that dentists are having um, in Australia are very similar to the ones that they're having uh, here in the United States and North America and, of course, Europe. Tell me, tell me about some of the problems that you're seeing out there, and, and, and we can start to talk about how to overcome those challenges and get better? Initially, it was fear around COVID itself and people being quite reticent about turning up to work. And then as the fears allayed and and things weren't rolling out as severely here in Australia that it was in other parts of the world, then it flipped to the government uh, support that everyone was receiving. We found that the pool of temporary dental nurses and casual workers especially reduced right down they were getting paid why not get paid while I'm at home why would I go bother you know putting myself at risk at all and so we've got a few stuff issues in terms of the number that are available but there's also been a trend and I've heard it's in the UK as well as here I'm not quite sure if it's over there that dental assisting is becoming an industry that's really not keeping up with the room for movement and growth and wages as well. And so it's becoming an industry where you would get paid more to hold a stop sign in the middle of a road as a council worker than you would be being paid as a dental assistant. And it's certainly something that needs to shift here in Australia if we want to start to broaden that pool of opportunity out again. Yeah, and we're we're certainly having that issue there. I I do think, and um, there's a lot of professions that, take a lot less skill, a lot less dedication, a lot less mindfulness. 
um, that you can do here and earn quite a bit of money. So how do you overcome this as a dentist? How do you overcome this as a practice if, you know, if you can't necessarily afford to double these salaries or, or increase these salaries by 25, 30, 40%, what, what can you do to help build that team and keep that team? Recognise that money isn't everything and people, although they need enough money to be able to get by, they also are seeking working environments that are very conducive to happy and wellness within the industry, within any kind of working environment, but also giving them a purpose, having them be part of a team that's got a really strong culture and we're all moving together towards a bright, shiny goal. Those sort of elements and, and uh, opportunity for growth and skills development also appeal to workers enormously. So it doesn't always have to just come down to money. So how do you have this conversation? So motivation is a factor. And I, I grew up in, um, well, the same very humble kind of background and beginnings. Money was very important to me when I was young. I didn't ever want to be poor. Mm -hmm. um, certainly didn't ever want that to happen. So that's kind of a value system that I kind of grew up with or something that was important to me in motivation. But a lot of people, it's very different. So how do you have a conversation about team to find out what truly does motivate them um, especially if it's outside of money. Money is easy, right? Motivated by money. Okay, move on. What if it's other things? Mm. I think it's a good idea to, as a business owner, first of all, sit down and have some contemplative thought around what drives you. Where do you see, I know that's a common question, where do you see your practice in 5, 10 years, 20 years? But it's a, it's a common question because it's so crucial to really understand what that picture looks like. Picture the most ideal practice in the most ideal world and now really nut it down and think to yourself, what staff members am I seeing in that practice and what are they doing and how are they behaving? And have that mm. as the bright, shiny goal. And then speak to your current team members, say, this is what my thoughts are. What are your thoughts? Where's your reality? What, where do you aspire to be? What kind of team would you like to be a part of? And start that discovery process and learn where that's going to. And then with every future hire, you can then be appealing to the characteristics of staff members that are appealed to what you're appealed to. And that's where you can really start formulating a team that are on the same path to this wonderful, as I say, bright, shiny future where we're all going to thrive. That's excellent uh, information and very well said. So what's next? What, what, what's the, the step you start to have these conversations? You start to bring in team members that kind of fit your why, that align more with you. What's next? How do you continue to build that team? Communication, communication, communication. So set up regular opportunities for communication just through regular staff meetings, morning huddles, where you are constantly getting a gauge of where everyone's head's at, where their enjoyment level's at, and that they've always got that forum to be heard. And I heard uh, somebody say just recently, the three most powerful words in this world are not I love you, it's I hear you. And it just speaks to that importance that we all have, that need for acknowledgement, validation and to be heard. And so recognise that, that when you're the leader of a whole team, they truly need you to hear what they've got to say, hear what makes them happy, hear what makes them sad. And a couple of great, great questions to ask team members, not just when they're hired, not just halfway through their journey, but consistently all the time at every performance review, if you have those, what elements of working in this place do you love and you never want to see go away? And what elements don't make you all that happy and you'd love to see changed? And concentrating on those two questions is a lovely step forward to making sure that your team is going to get better and better and better from day to day moving forward. I've got this concept called... Uh, 
what can I do for you? And I just picked up one of my little wristbands and it's got what can I do for you written on the side of it. And what can I do for you wristbands when you're implemented as part of your team, it's quite a powerful step. So what can I do for you can be a beautiful customer service policy that you use within your practice where staff members are always moving around their day, looking at patients, thinking to themselves and acting in accordance with what can I do for you? What can I do to help educate you better about your dental situation? What can I do to make you feel more comfortable? But also what can I do for you can be your team culture. So your team members are interacting and behaving with one another with what can I do for you being their driving question. What can I do for you? I've got 10 minutes. My patient hasn't turned up. Receptionist, can I help you do anything? What can I do for you? Can I do your Steri for you while I'm doing my steri. Um, so what can I do for you is a beautiful team culture policy as well, but also for leadership. And with every performance review, if the leader had on their little wristband to remind them to ask that question, that these are your list of responsibilities, this is the way we behave here at this practice, what can I do for you to help you be a top performer in this practice? Yeah, that's, I. you know what, I'm I'm seldom speechless. I mean, that's fantastic. That's such a great idea. Um, something that any practice can implement literally tomorrow um, and get going. And I think it's just that you talk about servant leadership. I mean, you talk about assisting, you talk about team building, you talk about camaraderie. I mean, you just summed it all up in about three minutes. That's an, that's an excellent idea. Um, <clears throat> Julie, let me ask you this next question. And I think most of our listeners are in the United States. I know that we do get downloads, a, a, a across the entire globe, but here in the States, um, again, you know, recruiting is very difficult. Any insight to any cool, awesome ideas that you're, you're seeing practices use in Australia to, to recruit and uh, bring on talent right now? I'm seeing more and more people make up really creative videos, fun videos showing the practice, the team, all jumping around with lots of energy. Come on board. You'd love to be part of this team. And I think with the Facebook pages that businesses have now as well, potential candidates are getting a great insight of how that team interacts. And so if you are recruiting and, you know, you've heard that saying, I'm sure you should be constantly recruiting, constantly creating a space within your environment and in, within your organisation where you are applicant ready. You don't have to say, now we need to employ somebody. Let's quickly, let's get a good team culture in place quickly. Let's get a good environment in place. That it's always there. It's ideal if you have got such a wonderful Facebook presence that your application process does look fun, a little bit different, that you're appealing to people who don't want to just turn up for a job and a paycheck. They want to turn up to change people's lives. They want to turn up to be truly caring individuals that they can have a positive impact on each other and themselves and have that, those people want a positive impact on you as well, that they're part of something bigger. The three main drivers in, I think it was the Daniel Pink book, was uh, autonomy, that we want to be free to control our own actions. Mastery, we want to get better and better at what we do, which is why team training is really important. But also purpose, we want to be there for a reason. It's not good enough just to turn up for the paycheck for most people. Awesome. Julia, you're fantastic. What a great guest. Um, so much value for our audience. More value on the website, julieparkerpracticesuccess.com. You have to check out this website. There is so much information on here that you can use today. Julie, thank you so much. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the information you're giving and thank you for being on today.
Oh, well, thank you. I really do appreciate the opportunity. And as I say, I love the podcast. So keep it all up. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Did you know you can weigh in on today's topic on Facebook? Search The Dental Brief on Facebook or visit our website, dentalbrief.com, and just follow the link. We look forward to having you join us again on another episode of The Dental Brief.